Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Do you need heavy equipment or farm equipment? Look no further than Southern Equipment and Parts in Laurel. We have a wide selection of new and used equipment from many top brands. We also offer parts, service, and rentals. Whether you're a contractor, farmer, or just need help around the house, we have what you need. Southern Equipment is your one-stop shop for all farm and heavy equipment. Visit us at 5237 Highway 84 West and southernequipparts.com or call 601-651-4555. Or pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, let's go. Super Talk Eagle Hour back on the air. Glad you're with us wherever you're tuned in this afternoon. Uh, Bob Getty, Kelly Center. We're in the Southern Bank Corps Studio in Hattiesburg. Luke Johnson of the Southern Bank Corps Studio in Laurel. Dickie's Barbecue Pit sponsors this opening segment. Great place for a family meal. Great place to cater your next event. Make sure it's Dickie's. Jack Duggan, Sports Information Director at Southern Miss, going to be joining us later. Patrick Irby from Anatomies as well. But first, I'm going to start today's show with uh, James Covington. Of course, four Southern Miss baseball players drafted in the second round uh, by Major League Baseball. All, I'm assuming, have agents and are beginning the process now of negotiating a deal. James Covington knows a lot about that. He's a sports agent for Buzz Cook Sports. Handles a lot of baseball, football, and basketball players, and we welcome him to the Eagle Hour. Mr. Covington, uh, these four kids uh, drafted earlier. Kind of run us through the process of, of what is occurring now, you think, uh, and, and how these kids go from college uh, to getting themselves a contract to uh, play minor league baseball. Uh, right now, most of the contracts are probably already you know been negotiated. Um, the ones that are probably – a little bit above slot. They're probably still going, still being negotiated for that player to reach that certain number that he wanted before the draft. And it's a process where you know you got the August the first to sign. Remember last year I had a kid out of Southern Miss who the Braves drafted, and you know they didn't meet his number, and it was it took the entire two weeks for that to happen. You know for them to get close to what he wanted and he ended up signing. Right. So. So meeting the number is is what is what the kid and, and his family think he's worth. Is that correct? That's not necessarily what the baseball organization thinks they're worth. Yes, yes, sir. Uh, pretty much, you know, it's a it's a you know the advisor you know talks to scouts, you know, seeing gets a market value of the player, and kind of goes back to the parents and the player, you know, about where you, where you're pretty much standing as far as the draft goes and. Then that number is pretty much determined. You know, some guys have a higher number about, you know, if they still got eligibility left, uh, knowing they could go back and better themselves. And some guys that don't have that much leverage, you know, it's a set number pretty much, and they just take what the draft can give them. Now, James, it's, it's a real slippery slope because some guys have have lost out in the draft, so to speak, because – they just feel that they're worth more than, than teams are willing to give them, and teams have said, well, then we're going to take somebody else. Isn't that right? Yes, sir. Yeah, it happens every year. And 
you have high school kids, college kids that, you know, have their numbers real high. They want to experience another season, experience college for the high school kids and feel like they can get better. And sometimes, you know, injuries happen, you know, the pace of competition is a little bit too much for them. And, you know, and it's, it's just a humbling effect. What makes this really interesting to baseball in particular is because of the influx of international talent. Basketball is starting to see it. Football, not so much, but but with baseball, you've always had a lot of Cuban talent, Dominican Republic, you know, Venezuela, Colombian, and now a lot of um, Japanese players. So, and, and of course, economies in these different places, dollars are a lot different. So, where does that come in when negotiating these contracts and telling these American kids, look, you know, you might need to reconsider this number because they could sign somebody from somewhere else who might play for a lot less. Yeah, I mean, it comes into effect on how the you know how the season goes for the player. You know, um, some players are they're going through injuries. I mean, it's kind of takes them out of the realm of things if they want a real high number. I mean, but you have guys who have LSU, for example. They had two guys who had Tommy Johns, and you know they they both their guys got paid. And, you know, they missed the season. You know, so it just depends on how much that team. It only takes one team to value really high and. And a lot of that time, that that's what happens. Now, as a professional scout, how early are you on these baseball players, and how do you find out about them? Um, well, before I became an agent, I was working as a part-time scout, you know, back 13 years ago with a, with the Mets and everything. And uh, basically, I've kind of used that on as a skill set to identify players and as their junior year of high school. I mean, sometimes some guys get on a little bit earlier, but I'm trying to identify players as a junior and then – you know, if some guys make that jump in junior college or college, you know, you identify that they've made the, you know, a velo jump or become a better hitter or something like that. So, so James, here's what I hear a lot. Well, if he doesn't take a contract his junior year, he loses all his leverage. And if he comes back for a senior year, even if he has a great year, he's going to lose a lot of money. Is that true? Yes, sir. It is. Um, you know, that one year of leverage is that means a lot unless you just put up really big time numbers as a senior but you know you're pretty much at the the team's grace pretty much of taking whatever they give you i mean it's you know most guys as seniors sign for 20 30 grand you know so it's and you know compared to their junior year they may have gotten 100 150 grand you know on the low end so all right it's a big uh it's a big difference yeah lou's gonna hear with james james covington uh thanks so much for joining us today so Naturally, you know, it's about a 99, what, 99.3% chance if you're inside the top 10. So Southern Miss loses these guys. But it is interesting that you start looking at the pick values. So I guess I would, I would ask who determines those values and, and kind of inform our listeners, you know, the concept of, of the pool. Because there was talk that, like, the, the Pirates may have taken Wyatt Langford first, signed him $3 million less than Paul Skeens, and had money to, to save down the wire. But, like, you're looking at, Tanner Hall with a 586 pick value, Storms at 261, Dickerson's at 213, and I think a lot of people will be intrigued about how that whole uh, you know value pick value in the pool works. Yeah, basically these teams have a, a a draft pool where they have to where each slot number is you know valued at. Uh, some teams you know draft seniors on day two, rounds eight through ten, like. For example, I know there was a player the Pirates drafted this year in round 10, the slot's 171. 
so they're trying to put money towards some of these earlier picks and they drafted a senior in college and gave, only gave him 15 grand of that 171,000 slot value. So basically that money goes towards a player that they've drafted earlier in the early in the in the draft and everything. I know it's uh like the Brewers, I know they drafted that high school kid from North Mississippi. I mean, they're going to have to come up cutting some money somewhere to sign him and everything. That was an old Miska uh, signing. Yeah. So. Were, were you were you kind of pleased with how Major League did a better job this year uh, kind of promoting the draft? It just seems as if I've, I've been in agreement, heard other people say it. Just the, the public and sports fans like drafts, and it seems this year more attention was directed at the draft as a whole than ever before. Yeah, I mean, I think with college baseball growing as it has, uh, the draft, you know, becoming became more national. You know, on ESPN, MLB Network, it's you got both rounds. I mean, some people just don't understand. They think after the TV rounds, it's over with. Then you got a day two, which is rounds three through ten, and a day three, eleven through twenty, where guys are still getting signed and getting pretty good contracts. So, James, here's a question I've always had uh, in my mind. And you may not know the answer to this, but what percentage of kids who are drafted into Major League Baseball after their junior year get on a a major league field, make the big show? Um, I, I mean, that's something I would have to research. I mean, I really don't know that. It's it's quite a quite a bit there. I would think. I mean, I would think at least thirty percent. So, so 30% of the kids drafted out of college make a major league roster. Well, out of college yes. overall, I mean, I would say that number is probably at least 60% then, yeah. I thought you were saying just their junior year. So. Okay. And, James, is that because when you draft a kid out of college, I mean, he's not a pro- he's a prospect, but he's a far more advanced prospect than a, a kid you're going to get at 18 and, and develop? Yeah, they they've went through the rigors of the, of the game, seeing – for hitters seeing, you know, those velos and curveballs, breaking balls, and the pitcher is a little bit more sharper. And so that climb through the minors are a little bit easier for them compared to the high school kid or a junior college kid. I would imagine that the talent on the field is, is pretty tough to get. But as agents, too, how do you – real quick, James, how do you get players? How do you sell them on you, on James Covington? Uh, just, you know, give, I'm just pretty much – Full throttle with them, you know, really aggressive with teams, and you know, tell them, hey, you know, I'm a, never keep anything from them, and work the best way I can to get them the best deal, you know, in the best draft position I can get them. So it's just talking to teams, talking to scouts, uh, cross checkers who are above scouts, and just the whole process of you know recruitment, you know. And I let really I let a lot of my players I've represent in the past speak for me. You know, anybody can paint that pretty picture, but. I let those players in pretty much use them as referrals. So, all right, James, we appreciate your expertise and appreciate your input on today's Eagle Hour. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you, James Covington, sports agent with Buzz Cook Sports. Next up, Jack Duggan. How many Southern Miss players in the last ten years have been drafted? I'll bet he knows. We'll find out after this.
You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Hey, did you know you can buy a brand new Icon cart from Noel Daniels Motor Company up in Brandon, and they'll deliver it to you anywhere in Mississippi, just $99. They carry electric vehicles for all your needs around the neighborhood, the farm, and the golf course. And remember, they'll deliver it right to your front door, just $99. For more information, go to NoelDaniels.cars. All right, I want to thank James Covington for that insight uh, from a sports agent standpoint. Now let's go to the guy who knows everything there is to know about Southern Miss baseball, and that would, of course, be Sports Information Director Jack Duggan. Okay, so, uh, Jack, again, this year, uh, anybody that thought you had to go to a Power 5 school in order to be drafted uh, is proven wrong. Uh, four more off uh, off of the team this year. How many Golden Eagles have been drafted in the last 10 years, Jack? Well, I can tell you under Scott Berry, there's been 38. We've had nine in the last two years. In fact, um you know, 2020, I sort of discount because there was only five, five rounds because of the um, because of COVID. You know, this is the first year we didn't have a guy, you know, except for 2020 that go in the top three rounds since um, 2017. And that 2017 team was loaded as well. Uh, they had four guys drafted on that team. So, uh, you know, five were drafted a year ago. Uh, four more. Um, uh, earlier this week, in fact, all four were in the top ten rounds, and uh, that's the most we've ever had um, go in the top ten rounds of a draft. Uh, with uh, Hall going in the fourth to Minnesota, Storm in the seventh to Miami, uh, Dickerson to Kansas City in the eighth, and the Nettle, uh to Baltimore in the tenth. So um, I'd say I say pretty pretty good uh, pretty good bragging numbers for the Golden Eagles. Uh, that could just continue to um, to produce uh, professional Impressive. baseball players. Fair to say we're in an era now where a, it's very, very rare that a really high-caliber Division One baseball player is going to play his senior year. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, I think I, – I mean, yeah, because really as a senior you sort of lose your – you sort of lose your bargaining power uh, in terms of making the most money that you can make. Um you know, junior year is, is probably, you know, preference uh, of, of guys wanting to go play pro ball. But, you know, sometimes that's certainly not the case. you got to wait till after your senior year. And, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think, you know, you look at a guy like, uh, you know, Luke Reynolds who sat out a year, uh, although I think he, he went after his junior year as well. But, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's some guys that, that do it after their senior year, but it's, it's, not, as, it's not as common. Right. Luke? Jack, um, four Golden Eagles go inside the top ten rounds. Um, that's a record. I was kind of blown away by this stat. Saw this on Twitter um, from from a friend. Ten of the pitchers from the 2022 staff uh, have now been drafted. I mean that that's that's pretty phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's um, that just goes to tell you how how special that group was. I mean, um, you know, you look at the you look at their numbers. I mean, we were what seven hundred and what four seven hundred and forty six strikeouts last year, something yeah. like that. Let me say, uh, I've got it right here. Just bear with me a second. Yeah, we had seven hundred, seven hundred and um, forty six strikeouts, only one hundred and eighty one walks. I mean, that's an eight, and an earned run average of three point two nine. And as you guys know, that's pretty unheard of. I mean, if you're yeah. if you're four zero or below 
um, in college baseball, you're doing really well. And the fact that the fact that we were 746 strikeouts over 181, which is a little over four um, per game, which I think, if I remember correctly, that was second in the country in strikeout to walk ratio a year ago. So, I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys over the last two years that uh, have moved on that, that that were on our pitching staff. That's certainly for sure. Be a, be a fan here for us. How special was it for uh, for you when you saw that that uh, Tanner Hall is going to your team? It, you know, it's kind of like when uh, when Matt Walner did it. It was it's pretty special. I got to be honest with you. I I um, yeah I, I I follow the Twins every day. You know when when we're not in season and. Uh, and it's 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 great to to be able to to follow guys that go up through the system, you know that, that hopefully will be with the big club one day. That uh, that's a team that I that I that I get, that I root for. It's one of the few teams other than Southern Miss that I root for uh, in my life. So it's 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 it is special. I'm not going to lie. Now, and Jack, obviously you're not privy to all the the stuff that goes on with the Twins, but you certainly follow them a lot closer than any of us here in these studios. So why do you hypothesize? That Walner has wow, been wow hypothesized. Did you hear that, Jack? Hypothesized. I did. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> speechless wow. over here. Wow. <laughs> okay. So, so why do you speculate then, Jack, that uh, Walner has not been able to stick uh, with the Twins when his numbers have, you would think, warrant a, a longer stay? Well, I think, you know, I think it, it, it boils down to money and it boils down to, to who they have. I mean, they've got a veteran in right field who's. Who's played just enough, just well enough to keep his job, and uh, you know they've got a lot of money invested into him, and uh, you know it's 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 the business side yeah. is yeah. is 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 tough with baseball. It's it's you know it's one of those things when you're a fan. I mean, I still I still go back to to uh, what year was it? When, 2018 when the Twins traded Brian Dozier. Uh, right there at the deadline, and and I I was like, you know, as a fan, you go, how how do you do that? This guy was the face of the organization, but you know, those guys those guys are running a business. I mean, it's I know every day, you know, it's 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 basically you trying to get twenty seven outs and score more runs than the other team, but 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 there's a bottom line there, and those guys, you know, for whatever reason. Um, that you know they're going to stick with that guy at least for right now. Now it may, with them being a game, a half a game out of first place, a game under 500, 44 and 45 going into the second half of the season, maybe they will make some changes. You know, I, I, I mean, trust me, I, I'd love to see Matt Warner in that lineup every day. Um, you know, for for several reasons. One, I think he'll help the team win. Two, certainly he's a former Southern Miss guy, and. Um, you know, it's it's fun. It was it was a lot of fun to to be able to watch Brian Dozier play every day, uh, former Southern Miss guy with the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, it's, and, fair, uh, it's fair to say, is it not, Jack? Someone in Minnesota knows about the Southern Miss baseball program. Well, I would I would I would think so. I mean, uh, you know, it's another guy that they've they've reached. Uh, you know, they they grabbed Ben Etheridge last year. Uh, that's what four guys over the last you know uh, five or six years. So. Uh, you know, it's funny. It's it's like certain teams tend to to pick your guys, and and uh, you know, you look for a while there. I think for us, it was the Colorado Rockies. You know, the Twins. Uh, you know, the Guardians have have come in and they've taken some of our pitchers, and uh, well, even the Cubs. 
the Cubs, uh, now they haven't drafted, but they they've picked up a couple of our couple of our guys, Walker Powell and, and Jared Wright, as undrafted free agents over the last couple of years, and those guys are doing really well. I know Walker's in Double A. Uh, in Tennessee, up in Sevierville, Tennessee, and uh, Jared Wright—he's been bouncing back and forth between High A and Double A. So, you know, it's—it's—you uh, know—it's fun. It's fun seeing those guys uh, move up in the organization. You—you love—you love when you see Two A and Three A behind those kids' names. That means they're doing well and, and they're getting close to, to making it to the big leagues. But I think what's really cool too is is the guys that we have had on, like we had Landon Harper on the other day and, and you, all these guys say the same thing. They said, man, I loved Southern Miss so much that in the off season. I'm going to come back here and I'm going to work out and I'm going to throw and I'm well, going to... We, we heard that yeah. from uh, Tanner Hall last week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and they gonna, do. Yeah. yeah, and I'm going to hang with the guys. I'm saying if you're a baseball junkie, you know, eat well before the Golden Eagle baseball season starts. You might want to be hanging out at the yeah. peak because there's going to be some rock stars yeah. hanging around. Oh, there is, and then and then you'll find other guys that, that'll that'll show up as well that may not necessarily win here, but they know what kind of place this is, and they'll come and they'll work out as well. So you never know who you're going to find uh, in January and February at the Pete. Um, you know, right before uh, the, the Golden Eagle season gets started. Yeah, Jack, I'll give you a, I'll give you a tip. So Lane Brady, married to Mary Lois, served in the athletic department. Shameless. He took his son when he was a baby a few years back and just walked up to Dozier and Walner in the roost and said, hey, hold my kid. And that's how he got a picture with both of those guys. So I know this, the, the kids win the pictures in the roost um, because we got a lot of good guys that obviously want, want younger fans uh, around them as well. Yeah, yeah that's very true. Okay. That's very true. All right, Jack, we know how hard you work. The summer's here. There are no sports taking place. Are you going to take a little downtime, my man? Uh, well, I had the 4th of July. What else do you want? <laughs> You're vacationed out after the 4th of I July. Am. I am. One day I got, a, got, a, got an old war movie in. I'm ready to get going. <laughs> I doubt he got any sleep, though, if it was anything like my neighborhood with all the fireworks. Like you, it was, Well, let me just say my dogs were, were not very happy that yeah, night. Me uh, either. Nobody's pets are, I don't think. Hey, Jack, we always appreciate you, good friend, and uh, look forward to having you back on the show real soon. Thanks, guys. Y'all have a great day. Thanks. All right, Jack All Duggan, right. everybody. Old left-hander, Hacksaw. Yeah. He's just got so many names, right? And does such a great job. Big, big friend of the Eagle Hour. We'll be right back. To the, top. to the top, you're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, as always, we want to thank Kathleen at Campus Bookmart for all she does to support our program and to promote Southern Miss Athletics. Campus Bookmart is open seven days a week. They're right there on Hardy Street across from the campus. The next time you're in there, we'd appreciate it if you tell Miss Kathleen that you heard about how sweet she is on the Eagle Hour. 
Also want to thank Slade, the guys at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Great place for lunch. Great place for an evening uh, poor boy and a cold PBR. Great place to just enjoy sports. And don't forget Tuesday nights is Sin Night, Service Industry Night. At, that's where they kind of stay open late, where oh, all the good. servers and bartenders and, you know, yeah. Uh, okay. they, they know what that means. Patrick, Michael suggested a, a different acronym. So. Yeah. Patrick Irby is the owner and proprietor of Anatomies, which uh, he, he, along with Jack Duggan, two of our most favorite people on the Eagle Hour today. Patrick, uh, always glad to have you, and uh, you guys continue to do great work. I've been bringing my grandkids down there over the last week or so, and I appreciate that very much. Patrick, you with me? Well, lose him? I, I think maybe we lost him. Your grandkids didn't tie him up. They're not there right now. Let me uh, let me get him back on the phone. Kevin. Hey, Bob. Oh, yeah, there you he there, Patrick. Okay. Yeah. Okay. My no. phone was in my pocket. I apologize. Oh, well, no problem. I was, I was just telling, uh, just mentioning how you've been letting me bring my grandchildren down there, and that's one great thing about anatomies. And I, boy, I don't think you can emphasize that enough because got a young mom, let's say, that wants to come down there and get in shape. She can bring the kiddos and. Uh, Take them upstairs, and uh, your staff entertains them like crazy. Yeah, entertains them and then exercises them and have all types of uh, activities and games. and It's just it's, it's a lot of fun. Very interactive. Right. And it's about keeping uh, keeping kids moving mm-hmm. uh, more so than just, you know, being an option for uh, for someone to watch them. It's a little bit more than that. So uh, right. we, no we really try to instill the uh, qualities of an active lifestyle. The only thing that surprised me about it is I brought them up there the other day, and Kelly was there with the kids. Did you, are you Were you aware of that? <laughs> Which <laughs> Kelly are we talking about, Bob? Yeah. <laughs> hey, I do want to ask you, Patrick, school's getting ready to start again for most schools around here, the public schools, July 24th. And, and I don't mean to put you on the spot. You may not know the answer to this, but do we even have PE anymore in the public schools? You know, I, I I don't know. Um, I know there are uh, people in the school district that are um, um, educated in that field. So I'm, I'm thinking that there's some sort of vestige um, that allows them some kind of access. I don't know if it's the same stuff we were growing up. That may be good or bad, depending on what your PE experience was like as a kid. Well, but I, but I was just because we all know what the statistics say about morbid obesity, particularly among kids in America today. Right. But I mean, what a, what a profound! If yeah. there's not PE, my goodness, the the data would certainly indicate there needs to be some type of movement or something for kids in school these days. Yes. Yeah, there needs to be movement. But I'm going to tell you, um, uh, over the past several years, as I've started to learn exactly the impacts of um, of uh, sedentary lifestyle and obesity. Not only in this nation, but global. We're not the only nation struggling with this. And um, what I learned over the past several months is that everywhere in the world, obesity is climbing by a rate of 2 to 3%, even in the leanest populations. And that just really struck me as odd. I'm like, what in the heck? So um, I recently got back from Guatemala, and I realized that uh, everybody has a cell phone. Everybody. I don't care how wealthy or how how much in poverty you, you, your household may be. I mean, everybody had a phone. I think uh, that's probably one factor, a small factor, but um, there's other issues involved here. And I think the, I'm saying all this, I'm making a big loop to come back and say we really need to be reinforcing through education the importance of, um, of being active, Yeah. the different, the different um, ways that can look, you know? Right. And then, um, and then also... Um, the importance of um, of you know selecting a diet that that doesn't lead to prolonged illness in the long run. 
Because right. a lot of it is, is how we're choosing to eat, how foods are processed, and, and a lot of factors involved with that. So, Patrick, uh, this was a few months back, but my wife and I one night were watching for like the 50th time the, the, the movie Woodstock. Because we enjoy the music, and it was interesting to us. And she pointed out in, in the big crowd shots, there were no obese people. I mean, there were no. there were none. What's happened? No. What's happened, Patrick, um, in the country? I, well, I mean, activity levels are one thing for sure. Um, and, and technology drives society. And, you know, technology always tries to find an easier way for things to get done, a more efficient way, which usually involves less movement on our part. But um, I'm, I'm in the middle of a book that I've been reading that addresses this issue, and they say that this whole thing started in the 60s. So it's interesting that you are using Woodstock as your uh, starting point in this conversation. But the way that we are processing foods, which initially was, was a good direction to, to, to increase yields and growth and harvest and all these things, um, that we're creating systemic issues that are not only – impacting our nation is starting to impact the world um so bottom line what the author is saying i haven't finished this and i'm not you know i'm not saying i'm an expert in nutrition i'm just telling you that there's some other things that are that are at play here nutrition is going to be a huge component in that and um i think people are are basically feeding themselves into illness Mm. i think foods are so tasty now they've engineered flavors um, how they grow things, how they package things, all these things are robbing certain foods of their nutrient value and uh, increasing um, toxic effects over a long course uh, in, in people. Yeah. And isn't that a big part of your your organization, too, that it's more than just a place that you go exercise? You have you can get nutritional training. You can get weight loss training. You can get a personal trainer. There are just so many right. different things that you right. offer that the average "quote unquote," you know, gym does, right. not, does it, not offer. Yeah, and it's not a one size fits all. And this is the thing: it's not you know you're going to do what you enjoy doing, and if and if you enjoy you know walking on a treadmill, running or whatever, then that, that's going to be the ticket. That's going to be the best option for you. If you enjoy lifting weights and or doing some type of CrossFit programming, that's going to be the best option. Yoga, you know. So there's there's so many different opportunities, and we start from the youngest populations with our kids' zone all the way up to our gateway, which uh, includes a lot of seniors and stuff, and we help people overcome mobility issues. And uh, so there's something for everybody, you know, whether fitness is, is your thing and it's more of a sport, how you approach it, or if you're just simply looking for quality of life. Um, you know, th- this is one of the one things that can impact everything that you do. So it's so important that you begin. And it doesn't have to be complicated. Your approach to diet doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to overthink this stuff. You just kind of have to be willing to make a few compromises and uh, and make a few lifestyle adjustments, and the rewards will be a hundredfold. Luke, you're experiencing that? Yeah, uh, Patrick, uh, we kind of give you an update every time. I'm down 36 today. Wow, 36 pounds. Yeah, so I'm getting there, and... For me, you know, it's about accountability and kind of piggybacking off of uh, what what you were talking with the guys about. Uh, a lot of people like to to be in groups, you know, when when they're exercising. And one thing that I haven't asked you, you know, when you've been on here, it's about the, the all the different types of classes because there's there's such a yeah. a, 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 a plethora uh, of of the the 
opportunities for people to get in and find something they enjoy. There is, you know, I mean, from spin class to uh, to boot camp style programming, uh, we have yoga, we have uh, Pilates and yoga, a hybrid class, we call that synergy. There's a core class, and uh, I mean, that's just it's scratching the surface. The thing about group fitness, um, when you work out amongst a, a group of peers, you know, there's something about your effort, and there's a statistic um, from a study that was done years ago, I forget the name of this thing, but they increased the output with people exercising on their own and then exercising in groups, and, and the, uh, the yield from exercising in groups was much greater. Significantly greater because people just work harder and they have more fun and and then you build relationships and all these other components that come with it. So, you know, it's it's more than just physical. There's a, there's a social aspect to it as well that that can also increase your quality of life. Well, about a minute left and and something that that uh, I was intrigued with on your on your website as well. Now, a lot of people into CrossFit now and and typically you know quote traditional gyms don't have that on site. Uh, they stick with their stuff, but anatomies because you guys do so much. CrossFit's available as well. Yeah, yeah, it's it's called Epistet. Uh, they're they're a partner of ours in fitness, and uh, when you get connected to the CrossFit program, we just give you the anatomy side of it, and uh, they they do an excellent job. A remarkable job of scaling workouts for individual um, uh, fitness levels. So it doesn't matter if you're just getting into this or you've been going at it a while. They can make these workouts work just right for you. And it's a great way to approach exercise from a functional standpoint where it impacts not just, you know, your overall health, but, but how you move. And that becomes so much more important as we age. All right, Patrick, how can people get in touch with your great organization? Well, I appreciate that, Bob. All they got to do is call 601-579-9555, or they can walk in the front door. You know, they can always go online as well. You can schedule your appointment now. So we have calendars there available for you. But there's a lot of different ways, and we love seeing people, and it's our goal and aim to uh, to help make a difference in somebody's life. All right, Patrick, please warn your staff my grandkids are coming with me later today. Oh, and uh, the warning will be if Kelly comes with them. <laughs> exactly. Red flag, double red flag. When I, when I go, they have to. When I when I arrive, I have to go through the double doors. Correct. <laughs> hey, Patrick. Thanks, buddy. Always a pleasure. Y'all have a great day. All right, Patrick Kirby, everybody in anatomy. Double red flag. Kelly's headed to the kids' room. <laughs> they run for their lives. Southern Miss to the top. Final segment on this middle day of the week, Wednesday, brought to you by DBAT and D1 Training on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg, dbathattiesburg.com. Luke Johnson, Bob Getty, Kelly Sander from the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Great interviews uh, today. If uh, you missed them, you can go back and listen on demand at supertalk.fm or all the podcasting platforms that the Super Talk Eagle Hour is on, like Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Audible. James Covington, uh, first segment today, we talked to a season agent, talked about how the MLB draft um, is continuing to um, 
has finished and these contracts uh, are, are continuing to unfold. Jack Duggan uh, was a great interview in the in the second segment, and then Patrick Irby from Anatomies. Guys, I thought it was interesting what, what James Covington said, that all this stuff's done. And um, Kelly, he hinted at, and I don't think there's any issue us saying this, I mean, he hinted at it was Landon Harper that kind of went back and forth, right? I and mean, he's talked about right, right. the player from the Braves and – it just shows how much the Braves wanted Landon. I mean, they they came back uh, with with additional. But I just thought it was interesting. You know, most of these contracts get signed within the day after the draft. Lots of times, though, there's a lot of talk on the front end before the draft is even before the pick is even made because they'll say, "Okay, all right, we we really want Luke Johnson." All right, so they get Luke Johnson's agent on the phone and they'll say, "All right, we want Luke. What's it, what's it going to take to sign him?" All right. So then the agent gives the number. If it's, a, if it's a realistic number, according to this team, then they continue to pursue them. But if it's way out of line, way out of whack, more than they're willing to negotiate, then they move on. But like I said, the, the, with the Dominican players and, and the, the influx of South American players, it can be some of, the, uh, some of the kids from these American schools really have inflated numbers as far as what they think they're worth. Uh, yeah. Because, but do you think it's fair to say, Kelly, that the influx of the South American players has reduced the amount of money that most people make now? Oh, oh, for sure, for sure. And I mean, you think it's ridiculous, and uh, you know they're talking about Otani now uh, with the Dodgers, what negotiating that five hundred and twenty-five million dollar deal or something like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, with him though, you're getting two all-star players. Oh yeah, yeah, no, for sure. But but. That it's definitely a factor, you know. When yeah. if you're a pitcher for Vanderbilt or something like that, and and you're already you're already at a you know very prestigious school and probably come from a family of money, right? Where um, you just look at money a little bit different way than somebody that maybe doesn't have money, and maybe the person from South America isn't isn't just quite as good, but will work for a lot less. It is. It goes back to the thing that we've talked about before. This is a business, all right? And are you are you that much worse, you know? So it comes down to dollars and cents, and there's only so much to go around. Yeah. So uh, kind of recapping the draft, Sunbelt-wise, uh, there were some more players after we got off air yesterday. 20 Sunbelt players taken. Southern Miss leading the way with four. Louisiana and South Alabama both had three. Troy had two, Texas State, Coastal Carolina, ULM, Old Dominion, App State, and James Madison had one each. Bob, there was another school that had two players drafted. You will never guess. South never. Alabama. They had three. Oh, okay. This is a team that didn't sniff anything all year, win-wise. The Marshall Thundering Herd had two players drafted as, right? as well. Hmm. Yeah. Um, after we got off air yesterday, two that two two names that you need to uh, to be aware of that were drafted. Will Verdung, third baseman from Itawamba, was drafted by the. I actually think Verdung got drafted right before we went off air, Kelly. But I mean, he's a commit, and right. uh, he was taken by the Braves in the thirteenth round. And then um, Andrew Landry from Southeastern, a guy that uh, people had talked about possibly was was a portal guy and had had a possibly uh, would 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 be an eagle. New York Yankees take him in the 16th. He's a fourth-year junior. So uh, at the wait-and-see, losing Verdung would be really, really tough. 
Uh, and and he's right there. You know, if it depends on how much the Braves value him. Right. All right. Listen. Uh, in the last minute we have left, I want to remind everybody that the uh, Palmer Home for Kids annual radiothon. Well, that's taking place all day tomorrow on Super Talk Mississippi, so there will be no local programming, no regional programming, thus no Eagle Hour uh, tomorrow uh, throughout the day. If you tune in to uh, your Super Talk station, wherever you're listening this afternoon, you will be hearing the Palmer Home for Kids uh, Radiothon, and we hope that uh, you can find it in your heart uh, to donate to that fine, fine uh, organization. I want to thank D1 and D-Bad for their sponsorship of our show. They always sponsor the Ford segment, and they're always going to be a great place for you to take your children for baseball and softball training. And also want to thank our friends at Mobay Beignet Company for sponsoring our program. Great place for desserts, as Kelly and I know, and uh, Luke as well. He's the champion of beignet eater down there, and uh, great uh, coffees as well. So no Eagle Hour tomorrow. We will be back on the air Friday. Patrick McGee is already booked. Uh, We'll find some other good guests as well. And until then, Southern Miss. To the top. To the top. Talk Mississippi Media Production.